What's up, everybody out there in internet land? Welcome to the Remote Gaming Podcast, episode lucky number 13. What is the Remote Gaming Podcast? You may be wondering why it is a podcast made by gamers for gamers and comes to you, the listener, each and every week from two friends who live on opposite sides of the country to bring you the hottest gaming news and industry insights, as well as an in-depth topic to culminate our discussion of that great pastime we all love, video games i'm one of those gamers and one of your hosts joseph king joining me as always is a man that thinks the new batman trailer is just meh kevin corkum and um that's because it is that's because (laughs) the new batman trailer is just eh. it's fine okay mr actor give me give me a reason why that trailer is just why didn't it blow your socks off i i don't i guess okay so for a couple reasons let's let's start with this okay why do we need another Batman film? Why do we need another reinvention of Batman? If you can answer me that question, maybe I will go further. So is your is your main caveat to the trailer, you're just kind of fed up with a, a rehash of Batman. Like, we've had a lot of rehashes of Spider-Man. There's been a lot of rehashes of Batman. So is that, yeah, is that your I, beef with it? Yeah, that was my... that. I mean, I've had that beef. Like, okay, we had the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. I really like those two films, the third films, you know, whatever. And they keep rehashing it and redoing it and redoing it. And yes, the new Marvel ones are really great. Cool, cool, cool. But like with Batman, we got such a great trilogy in the Dark Knight trilogy. Why are we reinventing the wheel already? And then we have Batman versus Superman. We have Ben Affleck and we've got, I mean, Robert Pattinson, he's a great, he's a great actor. I have nothing against him. I think he's actually going to make a great Batman. I think the movie is going to be good. I just, I'm like, I don't, First of all, the trailer didn't do anything special for me. The coolest part was when he was beating the shit out of that thug and he just like pommeled him. I mean, that was great. But the rest of it, I'm like, uh, okay, it's a Batman movie, right? I think so. I I guess from your take, I get where you're coming from. My thing is, is I is kind of twofold. I was very and I know Robert Pattinson's a great, great actor. I just thought he might have been a little bit too skinny to play a Bruce. I wasn't worried about his Batman. I was worried about his Bruce Wayne. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That I like a lot of people are like, oh, he can't play Batman. I was like, I bet he could play Batman just fine. I'm kind of concerned about his Bruce Wayne. And in the trailer, it's kind of this. I hate to use the word emo because it's not. He's not emo. It's, I think that's just the mood from the the, the setting that you get from right. it. Yeah. My my thing is is just I he he's very young, mm-hmm. and I, he honestly looks younger than he actually is, which is probably what they're going for. Um, but that was my my big thing is I can can Robert Pattinson play a good Bruce Wayne, and it depends too how much. Bruce Wayne is going to be in this. How much is Batman? How much is Bruce Wayne? Because they are two separate personalities. Um, I liked his voice a lot more from the little tidbits that we saw. I loved it way more than Christian Bell's. I thought it was, I thought it was trying to copy, but at the same time, wasn't annoyingly deep. Like the way his voice was in the first, like Christian Bell's, the way it was in the first Batman, uh, Batman Mm -hmm. Begins. I, I liked how it was there, and then went from the Dark Knight, and then it was even worse in uh, uh, Dark Knight Rises. I I yeah. I didn't like his voice, and I really liked Robert Pattinson's voice already from the little bit we saw. I just I don't know. I like the gritty nature of it. It almost reminds me, Kevin, of of the old '90s Tim Burton ones with like some darker undertones. 
It does. It it definitely gives me those vibes. And I'm not I'm not saying that the movie's going to be bad. It's it's going to be a good movie. It's going to be a good Batman movie. I'm sure. You're just kind of over just, Batman. I'm, God, man, if I have to see another fucking superhero, I just I don't I, I care. Get that. I think I my thing is it's care. The only because I didn't give a shit about the Marvel movies. Like I just don't like. I'm a huge comic book fan. I've I collect nothing but Spider Man comics. But and I may have said that on the podcast before. But um, I, I and I like. I think he's a great. Uh, what's his name? Tom Holland. Tom Holland. I think he's a great Spider Man. Toby Maguire nailed it in my opinion. Even yeah, though Spider Man Three was terrible, he's my favorite on film Spider Man. Yes, and because he matches the comic character, I I feel like really well. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, Tom Holland almost feels like to me like an alternate universe Spider-Man, maybe. Yeah, he's like the he's the Disney Spider-Man. You know, he's that's, that's yeah. he's the, he's the Disney Spider-Man, and he's great, and, and and nothing to be taken away from that. But there was something so unique about those early Spider-Man movies. Um, they were just so well shot, and they were yeah. I mean, they were fucking. They were so good, man. Um, that Spider-Man one. If you want to go watch the way a superhero movie should be, go watch Spider-Man one. Me kill us. You're about to hear me kill a fly real quick. I'm really sorry to everybody. Hang on one, two. God damn it. I missed him. He missed him. <laughs> um, but my, my thing is, is with I, I Batman and Spider-Man, the only two real superheroes that I will go watch any of their movies. And because of Joker last year and then seeing this one kind of be a more darker undertone, I'm, I'm hoping I wouldn't mind seeing a Joker Batman movie with with that Joker and this Batman yeah, I'm. I mean, I, I just, I don't. You're just I'm over superheroes, man. I, I, yeah. I, if I have to watch another superhero movie, I'm like, fuck, man. You know. And that's completely fair. I mean, it is does seem like either the the big things we get out of Hollywood are either it's a superhero movie, or what what else? Like maybe like a a a, a, a movie that includes racial injustice or seem to be the big trumps in hollywood these days because that's that's what's i hate to say it like this but that's what's popular right now you know what i mean right. yeah i mean that's so. i mean just give me give me james bond give me the new bond film that's all i want i would i would like a new bond i would i'd love to see a idris elba play bond i think that'd be yeah, good me too yeah he'd be i've great. heard that said multiple times and i, I think he's, he would fucking <laughs> nail it he, he he's a little ruined for me because he's in the cats movie and i know you haven't seen the cats movie but i've seen the cats movie and it is so bad from start to finish. I mean, it's atrocious. It's <laughs> yeah, probably yeah, the worst movie I've ever it. seen in my entire life. But it's hilarious. And there are certain... Sorry, go ahead. No, what, what I was going to say is that Idris Alba, his character, he plays this character called McCavity. And McCavity is like the... He's like the bad cat, right? But the mm-hmm. best part I, about I know it, the play. The best part about it is that when he leaves the scene, he goes, meow, and just vanishes. And it's the funniest thing I have ever seen. I had to pause the movie because I was laughing so hard. It's it's meant to be that funny. No, it just is. (laughs) Yeah, it just it just is. Yeah, it's weird, man. Like Hollywood kind of fucks up a lot when they try to incorporate um, stage plays. Oh, this is a whole nother podcast. Oh yeah, and, and I know, but I'm just I'm just saying like it's I just I, days. there are some plays that get made into film that aren't bad, but for the most part, there's a reason that the two are separate, and there's a reason that those stage actors and you know this very well. Uh, there's a reason that stage actors do stage and film actors do film. Yeah. It's it's completely different. 
Mm-hmm. It is. It's a totally different beast. And it's sad because I, I mean, this is an unpopular opinion, but I really do like the musical cats. It's, it's, there's no story. It's just a bunch of dancing and singing on stage and it's weird. And like, I have know, seen cats so once and I yeah. liked it. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. The music's amazing. And that's, that's the best part about it is the music. Angela Weber's score is incredible. The best Broadway play I ever saw. Did you ever see, they only showed it in a, oh, what is the district? Um, it's kind of like the uh, the LGBTQT district of New York. What is it? Oh, um, uh, you know what I'm talking about. You're talking about Rent? No, 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 no. About? But the dis, the actual district in that is oh for the longest time, especially in the early '90s, is where a lot of the gay community lived. Are you talking about Avenue Q? No, it's I don't a, know it's what a, it's an actual borough. Oh, Brook, no. Um, I don't know. It's downtown. It's, right? it's down in a borough. Yeah, it's it's not a borough, but it's part of it. Anyway, oh, the one of the Broadway plays, it was called Cooking. Have you ever heard of that? No, it was so good. And they actually cooked you food while they did the play and you got to oh, eat. Oh, that's really cool. It was it was awesome. That was like one of my favorite Broadway plays I ever saw. Oh, that's really cool. Still have the playbill somewhere for it. But yeah. uh, I digress. This is a video game podcast. Kevin. What the hell have you been playing lately? Honestly, I've, I I played about two to three more hours of Ghost of uh, Tsushima, which is still, as I keep saying, have you beat a really it yet? Video game? No, I'm not even close. I've, I mean, I'm really stopping and smelling the roses. I'm, I'm following the foxes. I'm, uh, I'm clearing out um, enemy Mongol camps. Um, I'm doing the story and everything like that. But I'm, I'm taking my time with it and exploring and really kind of taking in the beauty of the game. So it takes me a while to get through things. I'm not mainlining it. I, I really am taking my time. So uh, I played about two to three more hours yesterday. It was great. I really enjoy this game. And the combat is just so good. It's so satisfying and and. Yeah, so I've been playing that. I've been playing a lot of Warzone, and I played today. There's a new update, and with every update, man, comes more bugs and more glitches and more annoying bullshit. Um, and it it it's fun. Like, gotta win, and you know, I, I play with like a bunch of my college buddies, so it's fun talking with them and stuff like that. But there are so many cheaters. I mean, I played. Yeah. I only died to one cheater today. I probably played a total of six games, so I won one, died to a cheater once, and then lost. You know, the other four or five, um, however many it was. You know, honestly, but the yesterday I played, and there were at least two times that I died to like aimbot cheaters, and it's pretty obvious when you get an aimbot cheater when you die and you spectate them. It's mm-hmm. just it sucks, man. It sucks. It's ruining the game. It's not as fun to play. It's just not a balanced br experience it is fun but it's just not balanced for me right now like i go in and i feel like i'm wasting my time sometimes when i'm playing it because it, i could be doing really great you know in the top 10 squads or whatever and we're going through and i'm, I'm looted up i'm good to go their gulags closed and all of a sudden they get beamed by a fucking hacker who's in the woods you know how is that fun yeah it's it's really weird that activision blizzard with how much money they have they cannot figure out a good anti-cheat software that they can run simultaneously while still being able to use crossplay. Because obviously, I mean, that is for all intents and purposes, you're playing on PlayStation 4. The only reason you're running into treat cheaters is because you're playing with people on PC. And that is like the one big problem with PC. And I wish there was a better way to defend it. 
And it's just, there's not because you're able to access the things with cheating third party cheating apps is they're able to access the source code um, and get into where certain anti-cheat software can't find the app that you're using. And there's so many different third party uh, aimbot apps that nobody knows who's using what. So it's, it's very hard for them to filter it out, but you would think that a company with God, billions and billions of dollars would be able to do something about it. It's just, it's very, it's very frustrating. And, it, and I hope that it doesn't uh, ruin us for crossplay going forward into next yeah. year. I, I hope so too. Uh, and I hope that that it doesn't start happening on apex and other games where I know it does happen. Like there are cheaters in, in apex and there, there are console cheaters in apex, but it's it's not nearly as bad as Warzone is. Yeah, and my friends keep making fun of me because I'll Sorry. die to someone who's who's you know who's who's using Aimbot, and they always they say it's what do they call it? Kevin, I don't know about that Corkum because I die, and I'm like ah, I don't know. Like, I, 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 I don't know about that. I don't know about that. And then I spectate them, and I'm like, yeah, this guy's <laughs> fucking cheating. Can't help it, man. There yeah. are a lot of cheaper cheaters out there, but I, I do get you. It's it, you almost feel like. A, I, I'm the, I'm the stereotypical husband. Somebody stole it. Who stole this? <laughs> oh, I just, I left it there. I left it at work. I found it the next day. I do that every fucking day. Uh, what else have you been that's, playing? That's really it. I've played a little bit more rogue company. The game's still really good. Still crisp. Um, I need to play I, more I, of that with you, man. I've just been so enthralled with the games that I've been playing. I will say this. I, I, I took about a week off of it. And uh, people have gotten really good. Like people are now at the level that like <laughs> I was playing out two weeks ago. Um, so they're figuring it out. It's a lot more fun because uh, their their people are good. They're All right, but what about you? What have much. you been playing? Uh, the things I've been playing, uh, I've kind of played a lot actually. Um, believe it or not, I've been very pressed for time, but I've actually played a lot. I've I've gotten to a point in World of Warcraft that um, I don't have to play every day. I'm basically kind of just getting little pieces of gear as I go. It's kind of like how, you know, how destiny's in game works. You, you log in maybe once or twice mm-hmm. a week and get a cut, try to try for a couple of pieces here and there doing these types of either PVE or PVP events. And it's very, very today's wow is very similar to destiny. And maybe that's why I'm liking it so much, but I've taken a break from that. And I was, I uh, got on sale the other day, um, a game that I haven't finished yet. Uh, but it's out for Switch now. Uh, I had it on PC, Divinity Original Sin 2. Um, I really like old school RPGs like Baldur's Gate and, and things like that. And I'm actually playing another game that's similar to both of these. Um, but Divinity Original Sin 2 um, is just a lot of fun. It's very well written. It's a very fun RPG. And I'm playing it on the Switch and it actually runs fantastic on the Switch. There's some slight stuttering. I think it gets around roughly 30 frames per second and may dip here and there. Um, but it runs great. And the cool thing about it is I can enable cross save so I can play it on switch. And then my progress that I carry over from switch, I can play it on PC if I want to, I haven't enabled that yet, but, um, yeah, I mean, playing it on the ambulance, that's the game that I've been playing when I've had downtime. And, uh, eventually I probably will reinstall it on steam and, 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 continue over to try to finish that game but yeah it's a it's a really fun game and uh if you get a chance to check it out it's on every console available if you're listening um (laughs) remnant from the ashes i when i first started playing this and i talked about it last week i was like kind of just getting barely my teeth into it and now 
it's got its hooks in me and it's a lot of fun and I'm really, really good at it. And I've, I've had multiple, I went ahead and turned on the, I, I got to a point, I went ahead and turned on the, uh, the public lobby to where people can just join you kind of like dark souls. Right. And, um, it's not like dark souls In dark souls. You actually have to somebody summon someone to help you. And they usually can only help you with the boss. This anybody can join your game and just help you out through the entire level. The reason I did this is I ran into an issue, an area and I've read about this too, with this game. It's not, I don't think it's completely impossible to solo, but it's just not fun soloing because there are areas in the game. It's not like dark souls to where like, if you kill enemies, they're dead until you die and mm-hmm. then they respawn. I mean, yes, once you die, all the enemies respawn. Once you uh, rest at a certain area, all the enemies respawn, but they can keep coming in waves. And there, there was this one area where I was just kind of getting my ass kicked. Like basically it was almost, it was almost like I was trying to get through a level and it started horde mode all of a sudden. Oof. Like, I mean, I'm telling you, dude, tons of enemies and it was doable, but it was just like my, my fingers were literally starting to hurt from shooting the trigger because, (laughs) uh, one of the pistols I have is an automatic pistol, but you have to, you know, click the trigger every time to fire it, not just hold it down. And my finger was killing me because I'd killed so many of these guys. And I was just like, you know what, let's go ahead and, uh, turn on the co-op and and let's see how the public matchmaking works and it's really cool people join your game and you just go through the level with them and i have not found anybody that has joined my game like in dark souls when you summon someone odds are you're gonna summon someone that's way high level than you right they can just whoop the shit out of the boss for you everybody that i've summoned i has been on my level or less like there was this one guy that could join my game and he kept dying over and over and over. And I have kept having to res him in my game. So it's, it's really cool that it's, it, it's giving me this co-op experience. I'm not having to talk to anybody. It's a lot of fun. That's great. Yeah, that's really great. So I, like I said, once you, if you can find this on PS4, I would be more than happy to double dip. Cause I'd love to play this with somebody that I know because I'm kind of rushing through it. There's, I'm not kind of checking every nook and cranny like I usually do, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. You should play cool. it for sure. You yeah, would love I- it. I know, I know. I, I when the game came out, I was like, "This is a this is a me game." You know, I would put hours into this game. So hopefully, hopefully, I'll grab it soon ish. Yeah, you need to. It's it's really good. Hopefully, it'll go back on sale again. Um, yeah. We got fall sales coming up soon, so hopefully, uh, the other two games I actually just started today. Um, I'm trying to clear out my backlog, and I I've always kind of been intimidated by Pillars of Eternity. Because I do like these old CRPGs, but Pillars of Eternity is very, very CRPG. It's probably the closest thing to uh, Baldur's Gate, and I don't know if you've ever played it or seen somebody that's played it. Have you ever seen Baldur's Gate? I, I yeah, I, I know the name, but I don't, I can't remember any kind of gameplay or anything like that. So I started Pillars of Eternity when it first came out, and I liked it. I just never really, it's its systems weren't grabbing me at the time, but. I don't know. I'm just kind of in this old school RPG mode lately. And it's it's basically the combat is real time. You can fight and use your abilities in real time, but real time with pause. So what that means is, say I have a party of four and I see four guys enter the screen. I can attack right off the bat or what is recommended is I hit spacebar and it pauses the game. 
but it's not pausing the game. I'm clicking my abilities that I want to do, like getting like my major abilities off first and then unpausing it. And then that way the game just does its uh, uh, auto attacks, right? Okay. And, it, yeah, that makes way, sense. and it's, it's a lot of fun because you can actually strategize a lot better. Um, the, the main thing that turned me off of it, the difference that I, the one thing I like about divinity more is pillars of eternity is a lot of reading. It's almost like playing a, an actual D and D because oh. you actually, you are rolling for um, like, if you're there, there are certain situations, right? Like I entered this cave and I got the option to either a, it said the, the text dialogue said there was a character and it said, from your adva- from your vantage point, you might be able to throw your spear. Or, because I had such a high level of, uh, I think it was my strength, it said throw a rock. And so mm-hmm. you knew that if you threw the rock, it would probably work out in your advantage, right? Right. But the other one is basically just a roll, like D&D. Like, it, it's going to hit or it's not. It's, it's up to the roll of the dice, right? I picked that one because it would kill the guy and I would for sure get to save the dude that I'm trying to save. And it actually worked, but I'm, I'm wondering if that same scenario has played out different for other people. You know what I mean? Right. So it's, it's, it's got very deep mechanics. And the last game is uh, that I started was bloodstain ritual of the night. I had been putting this off for a long time. Um, it's on Xbox games pass and I thought about buying it cause I'm such a huge Castlevania fan. But something about it, I don't know what it was. I think it was a little bit too anime-y for me. But holy shit, this game is gorgeous. And holy shit, this game is fun. And it is exactly Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Like, 100%. Every every system of this game. And it's made by the director of Symphony of the Night. He left Konami to make his own company. Um, and it's so, obviously, it's the, the, the mechanics are going to be there. But... I mean, to a T, it's like the sequel to Symphony of the Night that we never got. It's so good. That's really cool. I might have to check that one out. Yeah, like if you like platformers, the Bloodstained Ritual of the Night is really good. Uh, There's two other Bloodstained games that are very more close to the old school Nintendo uh, NES versions, uh, which is Bloodstained Curse of the Moon 1 and 2. Uh, Those are both out on Switch, and they're really fun too, but those got the really kind of old school Nintendo looking graphics. Is that the what the 8-bit? Yeah, they're they're both eight eight bit. Speaking um, of old well, no. school Nintendo, have you seen the new documentary on Netflix called Game Over? I saw something pop up for recommended the other day, and I it, it's, I saw that. What is that? It's a it's just a it's a documentary basically on the history of video games. It's really good. It's like a six episode um, miniseries. You should watch it. Oh, I mean, it really? Goes, yeah, it goes through um, arcades. It goes through the NES, SNES, Sega Genesis battle. It goes uh, through uh, you know everything. It's it's really good. You should you should check it out. Are they going to keep making more episodes? I don't know. I hope so. That sounds awesome. I've wanted something like that for a long time. I mean, the closest thing we get is Daniel Dwyer, and because of COVID, uh, his studio has kind of not been making anything, many yeah. documentaries. Yeah, this is like really, really well done. I mean, Miyamoto's on it. You name it. Like, it's 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 huge. It's cool. Very cool. And it's called Game Over. I'm yeah. I'm pretty sure. I think it's called Game Over. Yeah, I'll check that out tonight. Then, yeah. uh, Kevin, why don't you go ahead and? Or actually, you know what? I was gonna say, get to the news. We got two new listener emails this <laughs> week. <laughs> 
folks, if you guys would like to write into Remote Gaming Podcast to have your questions, thoughts, comments, concerns right on the air, just like these two fine gentlemen did, you can write out, reach out to us at remotegamingpodcast at gmail.com. Our first email this week comes in to us via Josh. He says, what's up, fellas? Show's awesome. I look forward to it every week, especially the length of the more recent podcast. It's great hearing y'all's opinions in a broad and deep sense, but please don't burn yourself out. I think, thank you for looking out for our oh, well yeah, we Josh. Appreciate I appreciate that. That's nice. Uh, two quick comment comments. One question uh, for Kevin. My dog may suffer something similar, though probably to a lesser degree. My vet called it a trick knee. We're working on a few things with the doc suggested to strengthen the joint, but so far it looks it's, but so far so good. It sucks. I feel your pain for your companion. Yeah. Oh my God, dude. Uh, I mean, if put it this way, if you're, if your vet's not telling you to get surgery, I highly recommend not getting surgery. It's, I mean, the recovery process right now is a complete nightmare. Um, he's crate bound for two weeks. Uh, the only time he gets out is he's able to go outside to poop and pee. He's on, he was on five different medications, um, pain med, anti-anxiety medication for sedation so that he doesn't want to get up and move around. I mean, they, they said like the slightest movements can throw his knee out. It's, it's pretty stressful, honestly. Um, he has to be, it, bottom line is that it's, it's a massive pain. So try and take care of it the best you can, um, without surgery. There's a, it's a, so the vet told us the specialist we went to go see, uh, yes, they do have ortho specialists for dogs and, uh, there's grade one through four. It's called luxating patella. And he was three is considered surgical and his was like a 2.9 on the scale. Mm-hmm. So, so he was surgical. Well yeah. So yeah, they, they wanted to get it done. And especially now he's so young. Um, he's only like a year and seven, eight months, something like that. Um, so he's, he's expected to get full recovery and full motion and, you know, he'll be fine the rest of his life. Um, so yeah, uh, I appreciate that, man. Uh, thanks for looking out, but do, do whatever you can do all the home remedies and, and, uh, and hopefully, hopefully he won't have to have he or she, he, did he say he, uh, he just said said my dog, my dog. Well, they, uh, hopefully they don't have to have any surgery. His dog. And I hope it is a canine that we're talking about, not his D O double G as hood folk might say. Snoop. Snoop. Um, He tells me, uh, it fills me with so much fucking joy to know someone else has played and enjoyed Mega Man Legends 1 and 2. The few that the few that I've known who have played it didn't care for it. The remaining majority accused me of having a fever dream because they have never heard of it. I'm glad I'm not alone on this bandwagon. They have no clue what they missed out on. You are absolutely 110% correct, Josh. Mega Man Legends 1 and 2 is a fantastic, highly underrated game. We need a sequel to it. It's it's basically, you know, Zelda for Mega Man, and it's 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 very, very fun. Uh, his question, is there one specific video game or series that holds sentimental value or special fond memories of certain points in your life that flood back to when you play it? Minus Super Mario RPG, Legend of the Seven Stars. This was a game that dad would play in our room. My brother and I had bunk beds and shared a room. After our bedtime, we were supposed to be asleep. But there were times Mm. when I would be awake watching and dad would turn around and tell me I could watch, but to be quiet and close my eyes when mom would check on us. Nice little bonding moment, not tattling on each other. (laughs) Kevin, do you have a game that uh, holds some sentimental value to you? Um, yeah, um... 
honestly, was it that I, one I that always nobody ever heard of, heard of last week, Superstone pa- or what was it? Power Stone. Power, Power Stone. <laughs> I mean, that one definitely does. That one definitely does. For me, um, Pokemon has kind of always been that through line uh, through a lot of my youth and even into my college years. I I replayed Pokemon uh, Yellow and Pokemon Silver and Pokemon Ruby. Um, so, uh, those games probably are like the biggest nostalgia ridden games for me. Um, obviously there's a ton more, but when I think about playing a game and it taking me back to a specific time and place, it's always Pokemon. Very good. Yeah. Like that's, that's, I completely agree. Pokemon. I liked red and blue, but yeah, a lot of fond memories, memories of yellow. Um, we had at the Toys R Us here in town, you could do this all over the country back then. Um, you would go to Toys R Us and you, they would have these big Pokemon events and you would go and you could bring your binders of your cards and trade. And then you could sit and play the, there was the people that just collected. And I was one of those, like I just collected them and then I bring my Nintendo, uh, or my Game Boy. And, uh, you would just, uh, you know, have your cards or you could battle each other with link cables. Um, they had like 12 different long plastic tables set up in the back of Toys R Us. And, and then I remember, uh, you know, then there was the, the hardcore kids that were maybe a little bit older that were actually playing the card game, um, fighting their cards against each other and things like that. I, that was Pokemon yellow for me definitely holds that kind of uh, special fond memory. And then probably, you know, honestly, yeah, Mega Man Legends 1 or 2 or Metal Gear Solid because those games, I was playing those and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, everything on the PS1. Oh, Tony Hawk, uh, yeah. Back when that was very popular at the time. And, but that's when I first became those three games, you know, or four games, I guess. Uh, Pokemon, Yellow, Metal Gear Solid, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, and Mega Man Legends, preferably 2. I think it's a better game. But those that that year frame that time frame uh, was when I was uh, I would consider what made me the gamer that I am today. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, he goes on to say the chemistry you guys have is awesome, and I believe this show will be bigger than either of y'all can imagine. Keep up the great work, Josh. That I is appreciate that. Very very kind words. I hope so. We are doing our best. Um, keep listening. Continue to write into us if you want to. You have anything else you want to say next week? Just because you wrote in this week doesn't mean you can't next week. Uh, yep. Write into us and let us know how how it's going. Again, thank you, Josh. You're the best. Our, he is the best. Our second email comes from Matt. He says, "Hey guys, love the show. Listening to your podcast about the greatest games of this gym got me wondering." What are some of your greatest game disappointments? Doesn't have to necessarily be for this gen. For me, a complete and unapologetic fanboy of the Mass Effect series, it was Mass Effect Andromeda. Going from spending hundreds of hours with a great cast and story to a boring, glitchy mess with dull characters and freaking space Sudoku really didn't do it for me at all. What about you guys? What games give you the deep feeling of if only? Looking forward to hearing about it. P.S. Joseph just by Ghost of Tsushima already. I want to do some co-op with you guys on it. <laughs> I will one day. I promise. I'm not going to let that go- game go unplayed. But Kevin, what are what are some of your greatest game disappointments? Do you have any that stand out? Um, God, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think off the to- off the top of my head. The one that I can think of is Warface Breakout. I mean, that game is a massive disappointment for me. Um, God, yeah. Just because I think it's so good um 
it has well it has such great potential, but it just sucks. Um, it, it just broken. I went and played it this week. It still stutters. It doesn't run smooth. I'm still really good at it, but that's, I mean, that's, you know, a story for a different day. Uh, that game is kind of the one I can think of off the top of my head. Any other big disappointments? Uh, yeah, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Uh, maybe you go, you go Joseph and then I'll, I'll pick it back up. The two that I, I, I had here that I thought about, um, was metal gear solid four. Uh, I, I've said countless times, I'm such a big metal gear fanboy. And when four came out, I actually think five, even though it's incomplete, is a better game than four, uh, four just kind of, I felt like four was what this last star Wars movie was to star Wars fans. It was just a bunch of, bunch of the JJ Abrams, just giving hand jobs in the back of the theater to like, Oh yeah, you like, you like that. Yeah. We're going to put that in there too. Here's Palpatine. You know, that's, <laughs> that's what Metal Gear Solid four was. It took this crazy story, which the story was crazy and it didn't make sense, but then it took everything and just kind of just made a casserole out of it and just was so convoluted. There were cutscenes in this game, Kevin, cause I doubt you played it. There were cutscenes in Metal Gear Solid 4 that were over an hour and 10 minutes long. Wow. <laughs> like legit like legitimately the last cutscene is about an hour and a half and then there's a cutscene halfway through the game that's an hour and 10 minutes. That's unbelievable. And it's that's just stupid. And it, it just yeah, I get what they were trying to do. You know, Kojima was getting death threats because I guess a lot of people got mad that Metal Gear Solid 3 because Metal Gear Solid 2 practically ends on a cliffhanger. When the credits roll, there's a cliffhanger. And they were mad that Metal Gear Solid 3 was about Big Boss and didn't continue the story. It just kind of expanded on it. Um, and so he got all these death threats, and it was kind of rushed. And the game that came out was just... Uh, it was just... It had great moments like the gameplay, like Kojima with because he's such a genius, was able to actually make a fun game. Just the story was just so stupid and just made it miserable. And it was I think he may have realized that maybe that's why he went to make Metal Gear Solid 3 the way he did was because two was just he was like, oh, yeah, this is too crazy. I don't want to expand on this. Let's just go back to the past. But yeah, that and then twisted metal for the ps3 do you remember that the one that was I online do. only yep that's probably my biggest disappointment in video games because i am a huge twisted metal fan and the one before that is one of the, my favorite games of all time twisted metal black that came out on the ps2 and it was so like dark and it gave depth to these characters and it had a story and it was so creepy and then I, when I heard about this PS3 that's coming out and it's going to change the way graphics are, and I was so excited and I got it and I heard a Twisted Metal game was in development and the game that came out was online only and it was just not Twisted Metal at all. It was not good. And I heard that they made a bunch of updates to it, but it was still pretty much the same game. I, I really want a new... I would love for a Twisted Metal Black too. That's never I would love... Though. Yeah, I would love for that. That'd be great. I think... If I were to go back, it would be Kingdom Hearts 3 is a game that was a massive letdown for me. Um, okay. I'm, I'm, yeah, that's probably the the latest game besides Warface Breakout. It just wasn't what I wanted at all. And I think people that tell you that it is that are Kingdom Hearts fans are lying. <laughs> I, I think that they're just not honest with themselves. I don't think I think the gameplay. Uh, I mean, I could talk all day. The gameplay was was watered down and boring and flashy for no reason. 
the now is this the new one that just came out or is it four yeah yeah no this is kingdom hearts three so this is the this is like the third part of the well it's kind of hard to explain but it's the one that there is no four right no no there's no four three is the newest one that just came out Mm -hmm. last year okay yeah yeah and it it sucked because i was looking forward to it it's one of my favorite franchises i think kingdom hearts 2 arguably is one of the one of my favorite games of all time um it the combat in two is just phenomenal it's so good um but yeah three sucks they added attractions so you could like you know like basically a bunch of summons that you can just destroy all the enemies with the summons and not even it just it was fucking it was bad and the story nothing happens in the story until the last hour and then it's rushed it's just it's garbage it's it's bad the graphics are amazing um and the disney stories are are great but everything else in the game is trash and it sucks and i was so mad because i've waited so long for that game yeah yeah for sure yeah there's there's ton like you know fallout 4 would probably be up there too is kind of a disappointment it was a good game it just wasn't fallout 3 or new vegas but uh matt i appreciate you writing in thank you uh, feel free, like we told Josh, write in next week if you were listening and you want to write in. Once again, remote gaming podcast at gmail.com. Kevin, what's our first news topic? All right. So this is about Destiny 2. It's getting a huge, excuse me, Destiny 2 is getting huge changes to Beyond Light, and a lot of content will be removed to make room for more. This comes from our friend Adam Bankhurst at IGN. So I'm going to kind of read through. Bungie took to the blog to explain how Destiny content vault will work why it's necessary and how the removed content will make way for the cosmodromes return and you europa's debut it tries to simplify big, big some of yeah some of the and it gets worse some of the confusion <laughs> by stating that quote when a devast uh, when a destination goes into the dcv so too does its pve activities and associated rewards however bungie wanted to make a crystal clear approach and detailed exactly what we'll be leaving on November 10th. Let's run through it. So, strikes of the vaulted planets will also be entering the DCV, and they are so as follows. And you don't have to read all those. So it's basically Mercury, Mars, Titan, and Io are gone. Those strikes, uh, any if the strikes are on those um, planets, they're gone. Gambit and Gambit Prime. Gambit and Gambit Prime will be merging into a single experience with the launch of Beyond Light and will be a, quote, a single round face-off with tweaked blockers, heavier moat drain, and some changes to the primeval fight, end quote. So uh, definitely sad that they're making, well, I don't know sad, but I I really like Gambit. Um, Maybe this will make it better. I don't know. Uh, Crucible. Like Gambit, Crucible will also have a curated best-of mix and will contain maps from Destiny 1 and 2. The following maps will not make it to Year 4 and will move. Meltdown, Solitude, Retribution, Citadel, Emperor's uh, Respite, Equinox, Eternity, Firebase Echo, Gambler's Ruin, Legion's Gulch, and Vostok. So those are going to be gone. Um, There will also be modes in the Crucible that will find their way to the DCV, Supremacy, Countdown, Lockdown, Breakthrough, Doubles, Momentum Control, and Scorched. Um, which are a lot of huge crucible modes that's like kind of crazy that they're taking all that away it's really weird trials of osiris uh, will not be impacted by any of the content being moved to dcv this year lighthouse will continue to be available uh raids and dungeons there'll be no dungeons rotating and uh yeah there will be no dungeons rotating however raids will not be so lucky the following raids will be vaulted in november the leviathan raid 
Eater of Worlds, Spire of Stars, Scourge of the Past, Crown of Sorrows. So that's basically all the raids, right? Uh, no, it's just uh, Crown of Sorrows, uh, Spire of Stars, Eater of Worlds. There's they they added so what you played through they was the original Leviathan raids, uh, but they added three more raids to the Leviathan in that entire like area that you go to, you can access them because Leviathan's huge. Um, and then scourge of the past was, uh, added with, I think, uh, uh, the one where Cade dies in that expansion. Uh, yeah. so those are the only raids leaving and it, nobody you're, it's such a low level to run Leviathan and all the equipment is kind of, outdated. Like the stats just don't work anymore in the way the game is now. So I kind of, get while they're doing this and because it's in a vault they're calling it the what do they say the dcv is the uh destiny content vault and it can and they've said it's going to come back out at some point but kevin what they're doing is what activision should be doing with call of duty because what they're doing is keeping the game from being a 260 gigabyte install on your ps5 yeah and, and I think that's very, very smart. And they're, I, th- I love that they're bringing back a lot of content from Destiny 1. Strikes, some uh, Crucible maps, some Crucible modes. I, I think that's a, one of the things that a lot of people have been complaining about is the old school 4v4 uh, Crucible wasn't in this anymore. And now they're bringing some of those things back. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how this works. Yeah, there are a lot of um, exotics too. Um a lot of these I have, uh, but the Mida, Rat King, Sturm, Thorn, Truth, Bad Juju, just to name a few. Um, there are a bunch going. So if you don't have those quests done yet, uh, go in and grab those quests because they will be abandoned and any progress will be abandoned as well. Um, and nobody reading when they're going to come back. Yeah. Or, you know, if ever, if, if they will. So, yeah, those are the things that are going. That is the first news story. So when interesting. Is- when is that happening again? Because I may uh, actually, there was, I think Lumina was on like November 10th, November 10th. So before then, so, cause yeah, Lumina is one of the exotic hand cannons that, because I think you have to go through IO to get it and they're deleting IO. And that is one of the hand cannons that I actually still don't, do not have. So interesting. So if you play Destiny 2, get in there and go get your stuff. Uh, Kevin, I'm taking out number two. I'm going to go right, right to number three. Uh, just for time um, sake, because we got a lot on the news today. Uh, guess what, guys? We're back talking shit on Halo. Uh, more bad news for 343. New reports show that a further delay of Halo Infinite all the way to possibly 2022 may be incoming. This is very, very bad news, uh, but this is possibly all speculation. This comes to us via uh, Sharif Saeed at VG247. State seems that Halo Infinite will not be delayed or excuse seems that halo infinite will not be delayed into 2022 and it's still coming to xbox one despite the rumors that are claimed i guess they updated this because this was not what was originally uh original story here we go so i'll I'll read this and i'll go back original story nothing is seemingly off the table for 343 when it comes to halo infinite since halo infinite delay theories and reports about what went wrong at 343 industries during the development have been dropping left and right some suggested the game's development was heavily outsourced making it harder for a untitled vision to coalesce 
Others, such as Reset Era Forum member Sponger, are more concerned with that 343 might do now that it bought itself more time. According to Sponger, the team is currently looking to possibly make the game a next-gen slash PC exclusive, dropping support for Xbox One entirely. Having to make an inf- a version of Infinite for a console that's over seven years old, particularly given Infinite's technical ambitions, is proving difficult. According to them, the current build on Xbox One is having trouble loading in assets in the game's open world, seemingly even more than the PC demo we saw, which had all sorts of pop-in. I love that they put in their, the PC demo <laughs> that we saw. <laughs> either modifying the engine further to make Infinite somehow work well on Xbox One or potentially dropping it in favor of focusing on Xbox Series X and PC won't be a simple task. And the same user suggests that a further delay to 2022 is not unlikely. Though no one else has yet to verify these claims, has said that they believe the user is in a position to possibly know such things. It goes without saying that you should take with what they said with a pinch of salt. Now, We'll go back in real quick. And they updated this when we put this in our Google document for the podcast a couple of days ago. That was not in there. This is the update now. Seems that Halo Infinite will not be delayed to 2022. It is still coming to Xbox One despite the rumors that were claimed. Today, 343 cleared up rumors that Halo Infinite has not been delayed into 2022. The rumor that the Xbox One version was considered being canned was also debunked by the studio's manager, John Junizek. Uh, hey, Eric, we're seeing lots of fake leaks. This is via Twitter from John. Uh, lots of fake leaks out there, so please don't believe everything you read. There are no plans to change our 2021 release or devices and platforms we'll be supporting. We're building Halo Infinite to be the best it can be on each device and platform, end quote. So, Kevin, you know, I I saw this and I put it in the Google Doc because of the turmoil that we've talked about with 343 on end and ad nauseum at this point. And could you imagine if that ended up being true? I could, because honestly it's what I, what I thought would happen is that they're having issues developing this game because it's developing for two different consoles and Mm -hmm. they're, they're outsourcing all of their, their work. Basically they have a bunch of outside people working on the game and it's not cohesive. It's not gelling. And, uh, you know, yes, these these reports, you know, probably are, are not true, but the fact that they're being talked about at all and any sort of, you know, leak is being given to media outlets via insiders means that they're really struggling, means that 343 is really struggling mm-hmm. and they're supposed to be Xbox's flagship developer. I, it's really in, in studio. I mean, it's it's bad news bears over there. And yes, okay, we're probably still going to get the game in 2021. It'll come to both consoles, but I don't think it's going to be the game everybody wants. I, I'm I'm right there with you, man. Like, I don't necessarily believe the original rumors that, and even if he's whoever this person is, is in a quote unquote need to know and possibly would be correct knowing about it space i just feel like 2020 is just way too far for a game that's been in development for five years now granted yes it's being developed on two different consoles i just don't see it being delayed another two years i think there's a chance that they're going to come out and say it's due in march and i could see it potentially getting delayed to maybe may may at the latest and that would be bad for them i think if this game gets delayed no matter how good it is i think halo is getting taken away from them and 343 is in jeopardy like i've said of being shut down I agree. Yeah, they might get the can. 
Yeah, I, I really do. Uh, but we'll we'll leave Halo and Xbox alone for now because we have been picking on them a lot lately. Kevin, what is news topic number three? We've got a new game called it's Black Myth Wukong. Dropped earlier this week. This is from VG247, Cian Mayer. The trailer for Black Myth Wukong dropped earlier this week and stunned viewers all over the world. Remarkably, the gameplay demo showcased actual playable footage. I know, I was shocked, honestly, when I watched it and saw gameplay footage. Developed by Hangzhou-based studio Game Science, Black Myth Wukong is a contemporary retelling of iconic Chinese mythology, Text Journey to the West. It is set to be the first AAA game developed by an entirely Chinese studio, and players have been massively impressed by what the team has demonstrated so far. Games industry analyst Daniel Ahmad recently translated an interview with Game Science during which the team announced that it has been hugely surprised by how much traction the game has picked up. They also confirmed that, yes, the demo represented actual gameplay. He went on to discuss multiple sections from that interview that shed an interesting light on where the game is at. Quote, the studio released this trailer to show the world what they had worked on, recruit new staff who have a passion to work on the project, and to network better in the games industry, end quote. He wrote... Quote, the CEO later said that he wanted to create an honest trailer about where the project was to show the world and recruit people he did not expect to be showered with praise as an industry superstar or similar, end quote. So basically, this game blew up and the developers are happy about it, which they should be because the game looks looks really good. It, it looks um, for its pre-alpha footage and it looked 10 times better than Halo did. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, yeah, uh, it, the game looks really cool. I watched it this morning, um, and uh, it it you you kind of described it pretty well. It it's it's like um, you said, God of War meets Sekiro, which is mm-hmm. which is pretty similar. Um, and the lore looks looks cool. The world looks cool. The combat looks crunchy. Uh, yeah, it looks good. It looks like it's right up your alley for sure. Oh yeah, this is when I saw this, I was like, huh, well. Because I'm probably this weekend, I'm probably going to be buying Mortal Shell uh, that is the Dark Souls clone kind of love project that is made yep. by an indie studio uh, that's currently available in the Epic Game Store. And I think it's on PlayStation now, too. Um, but I love games like this. You know that. And this but this man pre alpha and this is I'm kind of in that headspace to where because of how we were this whole last gen like this is obviously running on like a fantastic PC and you know, this is going to be a game that is probably only going to come out to the Xbox series X and PS five because they're the only things going to be, I don't see this game running on a PS four, even a pro I don't either. It looked fantastic. And I'm wondering if we're going to get the old watchdogs treatment of a downgrade here, but you know, it, it looks great. It's gorgeous. The combat looks fantastic. I wonder, I want to know how long this game has been in development for, because this is a studio nobody's ever heard of. And this game came out of nowhere. It's going to so be I, really, I think it's going to be really good. I mean, I think we will see a little bit of a downgrade. It's obviously a vertical slice, so you got to take it with a grain of salt. But it's, I mean, God, it it looked awesome. You know, wouldn't it be cool if this was like the uh, the Witcher 3 to, to Dark Souls' is, uh, Skyrim, Elder Scrolls? You know what I mean? Like how, how... CD Projekt Red basically redefined what a Western RPG could be. Yeah. This could be like, hey, you guys make Dark Souls and, and Sekiro. 
to FromSoft, but we're going to do it a little bit better. Like, wouldn't that be kind of a cool little story? Because not a lot of people knew about CD Projekt Red, even though they'd been around forever uh, until The Witcher 3 came out. Yeah. I mean, I I think this game will do really well, um, but who knows when it'll come out. I hope it's good. I hope it's at least a decent size. I hope it's more than 10 hours because of how graphically demanding it is. I wonder how the length of it is going to be. Yeah. Um, our next story comes to us also via VG247 by, via Stephanie Nunley. Apple responds to Epic Games lawsuit claims company asked for a special deal. You know, that, you know, reach arounds and whatnot. <laughs> Apple has responded to Epic's filing over the pulling of Fortnite off the App Store, stating that not only is Epic's stance the company is retailing not true, but that CEO Tim Sweeney asked for a special deal, quote unquote. According to emails included in Apple's response to the Epic lawsuit, it was alleged that Epic Games asked for a special arrangement with Apple, which was specifically requested by the CEO, Tim Sweeney. Apple stated the email, which was sent on June 30th, Epic was asking for a deal that would fundamentally change the way in which Epic offers apps on Apple's iOS platform and to allow the company to bypass in-app purchases and allow Fortnite players to pay it directly. It was also asking for a third-party app store for iPhones, which would allow customers to pay Epic directly. In a tweet responding to the Apple filing, Sweeney posted the full email in question. He states that Epic asking for special treatment was not true, as the email requested the same deal be applied to all developers. And I read the email, and it actually does state that. Uh, We hope Per Tim Sweeney, quote, we hope that Apple will reflect on its platform restrictions and begin making historic changes that would bring the world's billion iOS consumers the rights and freedoms enjoyed on the world's leading open computing platforms, including Windows and Mac. According to Apple, the update applied to Fortnite was in violation of its App Store rules, and it was applied as a hotfix circumventing the approval process. So, Kevin, more drama with Fortnite and Apple. Yeah. Oh, we, we're, we're probably going to be talking about this for another month at least. It's, I mean, it's a big story and, you know, Epic, okay, they asked for special treatment. Like, uh, great, you know, they they are another huge company. Obviously, Apple's going to tell them to take a hike and it's going to piss Epic off uh, and they're going to try and work around it, you know? So, uh, I don't know. What do you What do you take? What's your take on it? Well, my thing is, is, you know, them, them trying app. It sounds like Apple's trying to, to get out of hot water and they're, they're putting Tim, words in Tim Sweeney's mouth and, and you could almost be like, Oh, okay. I see that what Epic Epic's doing. Only thing is Tim Sweeney posts the email that is dated when he sent it. And he does state this is for all, uh, apps that come on the app store. Um, so it, it sounds like to me, App, Apple's trying to do their best to stay out of hot water, but I don't think this, you know, we, we were kind of worried about how this may not end well for Epic or video games, but I think honestly, Apple may be uh, uh, losing this, but there was an update to this story at 8.55 this morning, uh, Fortnite staying off the app store for now, but Unreal Engine tools won't be affected, rules a judge. Uh, mm. This comes via Sharif Saeed of VG247. Apple has eked out a small win against Epic Games in the latest development of Epic Games' battle with Apple. A judge, thats that rhymes and I don't like it. A judge <laughs> has ruled out that Fortnite can remain off of the app store, but Apple cannot remove Unreal Engine and its tools. Following Epic's spat with Apple over the right to offer an alternative payment option, 
expansion of Fortnite that circumvents Apple's payment system, the iPhone maker pulled the game off the App Store. Later, Apple gave Epic a couple of weeks to make Fortnite compliant with its policies once again or risk losing Unreal Engine tools and getting its developer access revoked. Given the magnitude of the threat, Epic filed a preliminary injunction asking Fortnite to be returned and for Unreal Engine to stay until a verdict has been reached on the main lawsuit. Today's ruling by U.S. District Judge Yvonne Gonzalez-Rogers, poor poor girl, doesn't have anything else better going on, could (laughs) be seen as a win for Apple given that Fortnite will remain off the App Store. Could you, time out real quick, could you imagine going to law school, passing the bar exam, being a lawyer, appointing to the U.S. District County Court, and becoming a judge, <laughs> and you're having no. to deal with Fortnite and Apple. Fortnite. They're like Jesus Christ! <laughs> Just God. fucking play video games. Like, I don't give a shit. Trump's literally, you know, <laughs> lying about things, and Clinton's having people killed. But <laughs> yeah, let me handle this shit. Blocking Unreal Engine tools would have hurt more than Epic Games and its business as thousands of developers rely on these tools to create and update their games. Judge Rogers ruled that Epic did not breach its Unreal Engine contracts, and that's why they get to stay. Epic Games and Apple are to are at liberty to litigate against each other, but their dispute should not wreak havoc to bystanders, which would be other developers. I am actually glad, though, that this judge gave a shit to do that. Because this is totally something that I could see a U.S. district judge sweeping under the table and be like, okay, awarding it to Apple, case closed, whatever, get this shit off yeah. the plate, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. At, at least they gave a damn enough to investigate it and say, you know, there's tons of video game companies that use Unreal Engine software to um, make their games, and you're gonna, you would be taking food out of a lot of people's mouths, so... That's, I thought, you know, big win, it, you know, that can be kind of construed as a small win for Apple, but I think that's a big win for developers. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, obviously they need to be protected in all of this uh, while they're all swinging their big dick energy. Apparently, yeah, everybody's swinging that money all over the place and somebody that's mm-hmm. making, making taxi cross three doesn't, <laughs> doesn't get shut down. <laughs> uh, what's the next gift? All right. PS5 devs share how games can utilize the haptic feedback on the new DualSense. The PS5 controller, this is uh, Sharif Saeed on um, VG247. The PS5 controller, DualSense, was one of the earliest reveals Sony made about the PS5. The controller has identical layout to the DualShock 4, but its size and features are different. On the PlayStation blog, Sony rounded up a number of quotes from developers working on PS5 games, which explaining how their game will utilize controller in previous ways not possible. In Spider-Man Miles Morales, the controller will apparently subtly hint at the direction an attack is coming through haptics. The game will also use it to enhance the feel of the punches themselves with the example given of Miles' Venom Punch, which you will feel move from right to left in your hand as it does on screen. That's kind of cool. In the Demon Souls remake, haptics not only make attacks and timed parries more physical and tactile they also make it easier to know if your attacks parries blocks actually succeeded more interestingly the develops will be more will be using haptic feedback to make things like opening doors and pulling levers more interesting death loop has a more traditional though nonetheless interesting approach when your weapon jams in the game the trigger will be blocked which is achieved oh, wow. through the use of adaptive tech and haptics this according to arcane feels better than simply showing a jam animation which is still there um, Godfall developer 
Counterplay claims players will be able to know which weapon their character is holding without looking at the UI, and they'll even be able to feel and sense enemies in the space. There's more at the link from Horizon Forbidden West, Gran Turismo, Ratchet and Clank, and other games coming to PS5. Does this excite you at all? Yeah, it really does actually because the whole the, so the whole Spider-Man thing was kind of cool. The Demon Souls thing, I'm I'm all for. I think that's awesome. But the fact that a, the trigger would lock when your gun jams, like that's just so cool to me. And then the fact of you know being able to know the weight just the, like, I guess it can change how the controller actually feels. And you're like, oh, okay, so this is a little bit, this feels heavier. So this must be my heavy sword instead of my dagger or something like that. That's fucking cool. I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty excited about it, to be honest. It, it sounds really cool. It doesn't sound like a gimmick. It sounds like it's actually going to impact gameplay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I forgive listeners. If you hear that in the background, my daughter is screaming bloody murder. Don't worry. She's not unattended. My wife is home. <laughs> Could you imagine? If you she like, might, she might still down. be unattended. I don't know. She's running amok. She's just in there just, <laughs> just stabbing the dog, and she's just really upset about it, so she's crying <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> That's great. All right. All right. Next. <laughs> next, switch, uh, next Switch. Excuse me. Well, this is the Switch. Uh, new Nintendo Switch reportedly to launch in 2021 claims reports. I guess they heard last week's podcast, Kevin. Yep. They listened uh, to us. This comes to you via Matt Perslau at IGN.com. Nintendo will allegedly launch a new version of the Nintendo Switch. According to a report from Economic Daily News, the new version of the Switch will enter production later this year and is set to launch at retail in the first quarter of 2021. The report will... The report, which claims to be informed by sources in the console's supply chain, say that the new version of the Switch will feature improved interactivity and a better quality display. There are no suggestions as to the power of the hardware, so it is unclear that it is a pro-like update with more internals. It fucking well goddamn better be, Kevin, because what the fuck is the point? It will be. It will it be. It has to be, right? It will be. It it. It, it yeah it has to be it it can't not be do you think okay do you think we get 4k do you think we get a 4k switch no no i i don't even think this is going to be able to compete with like the likes of you know ps4 pro and xbox one x i don't think this is going to be even as powerful as this gen i just think it's going to be at least 1080p and able to support uh, maybe hopefully support up to 60 frames per second on some games you know what I mean? Like, call do you of think Duty. it's going to be able? Yeah. Do you think it's going to be able to run Warzone? Was my next question. I guess. Hell no, no, not no chance in hell. Okay. I I, I, I think I think that. Oh, you're you're saying that Warzone's coming to Switch? I'm saying that I think this next. I mean, I'm just making things interesting. Do I really think so? No. But I'll put five bucks that it does. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll. I, I just don't. I just think that because of everything that we talked about last week, Nintendo is so far behind uh, of what's going on that they they like to be more gimmicky than anything. This is probably going to support 1080p, and it's going to have like an LED screen. It's going to. It's going to make it to where they're going to say that they fixed Joy-Con drift and, and things like that. And maybe bigger battery, better battery life and, and storage. That's it. Okay. I think we got to wait until the actual next Nintendo console comes out to see anything decent like well, that. That's such a shame. 
I just, I hopefully not. I mean, I want that because then I would buy one, right? Like I've got Joy-Con drift. I need to get a couple new Joy-Cons. It's not that bad, but it does happen every now and then. And, and, you know, if this came out and it was more powerful then yeah, I would just upgrade, but I just, I just don't see it happening. Um, let's see. Go ahead with the next one, Kevin. All right. This is kind of an exciting one. I was more excited about this than the Batman movie. Gotham Knights, WB Game, uh, WB Games, Montreal's Batman game announced. This is Jonathan Dornbush over at IGN. After years of teases, rumors, and speculation, Batman Arkham Knight Studio, WB Games, Montreal, has finally revealed its next game, and unsurprisingly, The Dark Knight Returns. WB Game, um, WB Games, Montreal's Batman game is officially announced, known as Gotham Knights, set for release in 2021 for PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and PC. Shown at DC Fandom, the game will feature two-player co- online co-op, five boroughs of Gotham City for players to explore, the ability to dive around via bat cycle, and an arsenal of combat gear that will throw the game as the game progresses. The debut trailer opened with the voiceover describing a disaster in Gotham City. With Bruce Wayne's body seemingly found in rubble, among the characters were Spoilers. Batgirl, Robin. <laughs> yeah, were <laughs> Batgirl, Robin, Nightwing, and Red Hood. There's no way Bruce Wayne's dead. Um, just calling that now. Uh, here's the official description of each character in game, which I'm not going to run through. Um, so, did you watch this gameplay reveal? I did, and it, it looked really cool. And I'm actually kind of excited about this. Um, you know, I, I I was kind of when I first saw this, I was like, oh man, who gives a shit? I don't want to play as Batgirl and Nightwing and Red Hood and Rob. But then I started thinking about it, and I was like, it's kind of with what you said about earlier. Another Arkham game would just be another Arkham game, right? Right. The fact that this is going to be kind of it's set in the same universe, but it's telling the tale of the people that have been supported in the story. And all four of them are going to have, you know, are going to have different abilities uh, and different ways to take on certain scenarios. Like you may, and I wonder if you're able to like fight any boss with any one of them, but it's better to do it with a different one. Kind of like Mega Man style. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think, I think the game is going to be good. Obviously I think the Arkham games are really good. This game is going to be good as well. The combat looks really, um, the same uh maybe a little bit different there seems to be a little bit maybe more gadgets and uh you're not god one of the things i always hated about the the arkham games was just how quickly you could die as batman it drove me crazy when i played which one uh i can't remember but i just i i I remember there was like one section i kept dying i'm like how can batman not take on two thugs you know like I, mm-hmm. I I don't know that 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 bothered me, but hopefully if if that's fixed, I'll have a really good time with this game because I, I I will probably pick this one up. It looks it looks really fun. I like put it this way: I care a lot more about this than I do about Marvel's Avengers. I could give two shits about that game. I think it's going to be terrible, but this game looks really good. Yeah, I think I think Crystal Dynamics is in over their head. This is coming from. This is going to be you know this is this is like. This is like vanilla ice cream, right? It's safe. It's it's this company knows what they're doing. They've been, they've made three of these games that are fa- fantastic. So, I, I I have no doubt in my mind that this game won't be good. Yeah, no, I I completely agree with you. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, the the some of these screenshots, you know, I'm looking at right now. You've got Batgirl driving down in the snow, snowy rain coming down on the bat a bat cycle. Just looks 
really, really fun. So I'm, I'm kind of all for it. Yeah. And it's going to be fun to co-op too. You know, it's going to be fun to like grab, a, like we can go run through a bunch of the game, you know? Oh, is it's it fucking... co-op? I did not hear yeah. that. Oh yeah. It's co-op. Okay. That's even more exciting. I'm, I got that. I will help. We might as well just co-op the whole damn campaign together then. Yeah, we probably will. Fuck it. Stream That's it. A- that sounds fun. I like that. Sweet. Uh, next thing. This is very cool. Uh, Summer Games Done Quick. Games Done Quick 2020 raises $2.3 million for Doctors Without Borders. This comes to you via Adam Bankhurst at IGN. Summer Games Done Quick 2020, the video game speedrunning marathon marathon that raises money for charity, has just raised over $2.3 million for Doctors Without Borders. Games Done Quick announced the wonderful news on Twitter and that the next two Games Done Quick events will be Fleet Fatalities, Fatals, November 15th through the 21st and awesome games done quick 2021, which is going to be the third through the 10th of 2021. Uh, SGDDQ 2020 took place from Sunday, August 16th to Sunday, August 23rd and saw 33,639 donations from viewers around the world. There were 148 runs, 159 prizes given out 20,430 donors made an average donation of 68.71. That's actually quite a bit of money for an average dom- yeah, donation. Yeah. These donations were made through direct donations, Twitch subscriptions and bits given during the Games Done Quick stream. Uh, the Games Done Quick events usually take place in person just like done in 2020 that raised 3.3 million, but the COVID-19 pandemic is so G- SGDQ 2020 was fully online. It was an unfortunate change, but it's great to see it was still such a huge success. That's phenomenal because my thing is gaming for the most part, still it's becoming more and more mainstream every single day, but for the most part gets looked at as something that is a waste of time. That is something that it does not help produce to society. And you have things like this that are doing great things, better the things that we need in 2020. And then, you know, we have, um, Oh God, what's the thing that happens every year that happens in September? Extra life. Extra life is coming up. Um, and then you have all the great things that Steven Spawn and uh, Able Gamers are doing. It's just, it's good to see that these things are happening. Yeah, I actually watched um, a couple of the uh, the games done quick things. I always, I love watching Kingdom Hearts speedruns. Um, I'm a big nerd for that. Uh, they, uh, he, this guy was speedrunning Kingdom Hearts too, and it, it's just really entertaining, and it's it's insane that like fractions of seconds end up adding up, and you know you want to get the best times and all this stuff. What so I watched that. What there was another game I watched, uh, Zelda. I think it was Zelda. I watched a little bit of Zelda. Um, yeah, I mean it's really fun. I love I love watching these speedruns. It's super entertaining because it's it's a different type of um, it's just a it's just a different way to play a game. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think it's good. We 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 need more of this. Uh, Kevin, what is next? We have Cyberpunk. Will uh, this is actually from Jordan Alleman from IGN? Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven will have free DLC alongside paid expansions. Cyberpunk will feature DLC as well as paid expansions. CJ Project Red has 
revealed. The Polish developer replied to a fan on Twitter who asked about the potential for Cyberpunk 2077 to have, quote, free DLC like The Witcher 3, which offered an entire roadmap of free content to support the game beyond its initial launch. Responding in kind, CD Projekt Red replied with a gif of the Kool-Aid man spouting his famous catchphrase. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Beyond the free DLC, it was previously confirmed back in April of 2020 that Cyberpunk 2077 will feature paid expansions the similar uh, of similar size to those that were available for Witcher 3, such as Hearts of Stone and Blood and Wine. There will be more than just DLC available to complement and flesh out the world of Cyberpunk 2077, a comic, ba- a comic book based on the game's trauma team on its way from from publisher dark horse comics you can check out the full broadcast oh blah 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 so yeah we're gonna get some free dlc and we're also going to get uh bigger paid expansions this is something cg uh oh my god cd project red say that five times fast um has been known for they did it with the witcher the expansions were always that you paid for were always very 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 expansive for lack of a better word um (laughs) they always had a ton of content you know and a lot of developers i mean in my opinion i i paid for one of the borderlands three expansions and they are supposed to be you know crowned as really good expansions as well i have all the dlc for borderlands 2 um, and those aren't even as good as uh, what they did with The Witcher 3. So uh, hats off to them for giving more free content to people uh, that, that pay 60 bucks and invest a lot of time into your game. Uh, there's a lot of the buzzword right now going around the game's media industry is consumer friendly, and I hate that word. I hate that phrase. Um, but this is a move that is pro-consumer. Um, yeah. Uh, what do you think about it? Oh, I love it. I, like I said, I mean, we talk big ups on CD Projekt Red because they do what's best for the, the gamers. This game has been delayed so many times, but there, I have no doubt in my mind that the, it's going to be phenomenal when it comes out. Uh they they care about what they're putting into it. I have I watched that. You know, you need to everybody. If you don't really know much about CD Projekt, uh, go watch uh, No Clip on YouTube. They're uh, ran by Danny O'Dwyer, who used to work for GameSpot. Um, the, he makes video game documentaries, and one was about the development of The Witcher Three and basically the background of CD Projekt Red, and just the things that they've came through, especially being in Poland, where the economy wasn't so well when the company started, and the video games are very not well received over there and just uh, the things that they do for their consumer. That's, that's the way you want a business to be right. As, as a consumer, that's, they are exactly what you want. And somebody that delivers a product uh, they said, you know, story DLC you will pay for, but like free guns, free new quests, free skins, things like that will come. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. It should uh, be. it, yeah, absolutely. It, it should be. It should be applauded that they do this stuff, too. Um, so good on you, CD Projekt. Yes, good indeed. The Polish are so damn nice. Make a great, <laughs> they make a great sausage, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. Our final snooze topic for the day really isn't much news, but it, it has been broken. There's all kinds of things that have been added to it. And so a couple weeks ago, there was multiple speculation that the next Call of Duty is going to be set in the Cold War. 
it has been confirmed. It's going to be called Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. <laughs> Which Stupidest is fucking name. The dumbest fucking name ever. Why didn't they call it Call of Duty Cold War? Or Call of Duty Black Ops and just reboot it? I, I don't know, but... The, this comes for you via Sharif Saeed of BG247 states the Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War leaks continue with the game's release date and even its multiplayer reveal date now in the open. This morning's Warzone mid-season patch, how much was that? 75 gigabytes. Really is 17. full of su- 17. Oh, well, that's still, god damn. Is full of surprises. From giving us Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War's full product description to leaking the game's different editions, the update more than made up for its lack of actual Warzone Modern Warfare content. As noted by COD Tracker, legal details of different editions of Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War mentioned November 13th, 2021, as the last date the included DLC could be claimed. The end date for claiming pre-order add-ons is always one year from release. In other words, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War will be released on Friday, November 13th. Um, Kevin, are you excited about the new Call of Duty? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess I am. I'm interested to see how it works with Warzone because uh, they said that it's going to be integrated, you know, in some way. But Black Ops plays and feels very different different from warzone traditionally those game or, or modern warfare does right then like mm-hmm. those different segments of the call of duty games and i really i'm a big fan of the way that of the way modern warfare plays but i'm also a really big fan of the way that uh black, black ops, ops 4 felt mm-hmm. so um i i don't know i'm i will most likely buy it because i really like playing the multiplayer but I uh, I don't know. I don't know how this one's going to do because I think Warzone is so popular right now. I think it's doing so well despite all of the issues, which is really crazy to me. Uh, I just think it's it's Fortnite has kind of been knocked down a peg uh, amongst the older twenty to you know forty somethings. I think the kids still love Fortnite, and I think Fortnite is still a good game. Um, but Warzone is everybody. Okay, Warzone, I guess, appeals to a broader, more casual base of gamer than Fortnite would. Uh, It's definitely easier to pick up and understand. So Warzone is going to be very popular and will continue to be popular because, you know, I mean, look, I'm playing it because I like hanging out with my friends, right? That's 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 really why I play Warzone. If it wasn't if I wasn't playing with anybody, I probably wouldn't be playing it at all. I'd be playing Apex and, and other stuff, you know, so yeah and it's it's cross play which is huge so warzone will have legs we know this and how it integrates with the new call of duty will be really vital for how cold war exists because call of duty has been annual for so long right if you want to get the new call of duty you want to get the latest content you have to ditch the old one and get the new one but there's always a base that still plays the old COD. Like there's still a bunch of people that still play Black Ops. You know, yeah, Black Ops people 4. are still there's playing huge... World War Two. Yeah, it's insane, right? But I don't know if they're going to be able to get everybody to pick up and buy the next one. It could be the end of annualization for Call of Duty games, especially if this one's not very good. I think it needs to. Uh, personally, looking at the success of games like Assassin's Creed that was annualized, and then they went to 
to this other system and basically rewrote the formula. I think they need to do that. I, I just, and I'm, I'm more interested in not in how this COD is going to be because of it being a new COD. I'm interested because, you know, this game was scrapped halfway through and sledgehammer and Raven reportedly fucked this game up really bad. It was Activision was not happy. The shareholders were pissed off that this game was not looking like it was ready. And so Treyarch basically stepped in. And from what I'm understanding is they took bits and pieces of what sledgehammer and Raven we're working on and basically you know the black ops was not supposed to come out until uh 2021 which was going to be treyarch's year uh because they work on you know alternating year cycles so like last year was infinity ward this year was supposed to be sledgehammer and next year was going to be treyarch again um but now treyarch had to step in and take over all those things i it's going to be very very interesting to see how how this game plays uh how finished it is uh because i feel like you know, they a company stepping in when one company is doing something, that's that's never a good sign, right? And for them to meet their year uh deadline is even scarier. So it's gonna be interesting to see. Maybe maybe Treyarch had more of their shit done than they thought they did, or maybe they were able to just plug in assets and things like that. It is running on Modern Warfare's engine, so I think it will feel very similar to this year's or last year's Call of Duty. Um interesting, okay. I, I think that's going to be interesting to see how it plays because, you know, like you said, war, modern warfare and black ops traditionally do feel different. However, these are running on the same engine now. And so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, hmm. I, I, I play a lot of COD ever since it came out. I played, I try to play almost every multiplayer that's ever been released um, in the series. And so going forward, I think this will just kind of be a, um, it's going to be interesting, but I'll, I'll probably I'll probably pick it up. Yeah, I will, too. Who am I kidding? So that is all for the news. We're going to move into our main topic of the show, which we got some little 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 bits and pieces uh, for us. We got three little little questions that we're going to ask each other and kind of just rant on them for a little bit. So here we go. All right, so for our main topic, Kevin has came up with these three little questions. Uh, basically, I would kind of consider them basically growing up into video games. Wouldn't, isn't that what you would consider it, Kevin? Yeah, I was kind of inspired. I watched the uh, Netflix documentary. I think it's called Game Over. I should probably double check that, but I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. Uh, it really got me thinking about my youth and how I came to love video games. And uh, yeah, a couple of these questions. I think I'm going to start with number three. Actually, I'm going to I'm going to prompt it to you first, Joseph. How young were you when you realized video games were going to be an integral part of your life? Whew. So this is kind of a odd question because I've played video games ever since I was a kid. I've always played video games, but I did not become the gamer that I am today until after high school and really didn't get, I would consider hardcore into gaming until about maybe five to 10 years ago. And I would, I guess an integral part of my life would probably about around that same time that I discussed being young, playing on the PlayStation, um, playing Metal Gear Solid, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, Mega Man Legends 2. Uh, those were really the, when I was like, man, I'm going to really delve deep into this. But I, I think the first video game that I really remember 
saying uh, like following and reading up on and waiting for the release to come out and, and really getting into it because I played all the previous ones was resident evil four. So I guess maybe 2005 is when I really became a gamer gamer, like a hardcore gamer. And then, and then after high school and then, yeah, that's probably when it started. I would say any, anywhere from that, like maybe 2000 to 2005 is when I really realized that this was a hobby that I, I wanted to continue to do for a very long time. Yeah. Interesting. So you would say probably 2005 and, and was there, was there like a, was there an aha moment, you know, where where you were playing a video game and you were like, God, man, I, I really, what would I do if I couldn't, you know, play these games? Like what would I do without this form of entertainment? You know, I just really remember um, delving deep, deep into I, when Resident Evil 4 came out. I just binged that game for hours on end until I beat it. And, it, it, you know, back then you had to get on the Internet to look up a guide and there wasn't much YouTube to watch videos and things like that. And I didn't really want to look up a guide and to do that game from start to finish. And it's Resident Evil 4 is a long game. And. I beat that game within like four days, something like that. Wow. Cause I just, I just, that's all I did. And it was summertime when I picked it up. I think it came out in like July. Um, but man, it was one of the best games I ever played. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think for me, it, it's, it's two different times. Um, I think because I was so busy in high school, I still was a pretty avid gamer through high school. I made a lot of time to play video games, but when I was younger, it was really going to the local blockbuster and every single time I would go in, I wouldn't look at any movies. I would go straight for the video games. I think that's when I realized that this was something that I loved it wasn't just something that i enjoyed doing with my friends or whatever it was something that like i really liked um because a lot of people have very fond memories of playing video games with friends right you go over you have the land parties you hook up you know four controllers to your nintendo 64 and you know you go to town but for me obviously that was huge but it was when i was by myself like there are there are videos that my mom took of me playing video games and like me explaining to her the video game and like, you know, the cheat codes that I was using in Jurassic Park or, you know, whatever the fuck it was that probably looking back, that was the time where I realized, oh, I really, really love this, uh, this medium. But I think the the time in my adult life where I kind of reconnected with it was when The Last of Us came out. Um I had been waiting for that game for so long. And when I finally played it, I just had this feeling of God, I, I love this. Like I love games like this. I love this experience that I had. And from then on out, I was already, you know, uh, what you would, I guess, consider a hardcore gamer, right? Um, I bought all the big titles I wanted to buy. I played them. I was playing every week pretty consistently, but I think that game for me solidified it. It was like, okay, this is this is something that I love as much as sports and as much as theater and whatever it might be. It, you know, it's up there with them neck and neck. And uh, I was thinking about it on the couch today. Actually, I uh, I was like watching a stream, right? And I 
lost track of time. I'm sitting there with my dog. He's, you know, in the crate in the living room and I'm just, I, I, I'm pretty much a living room bound. Right. So I played a little bit of ghost of Shima. I played some video games and I was like, I just kind of want to sit down and, and, and relax. What do I want to watch? And I could have watched anything. I still have to watch, you know, a lot of the, the last dance, um, which I'm two episodes into now. And, you know, there, there's a bunch of TV shows on my backlog, but I really wanted to watch someone play video games, you know, and it, and it was a choice that I, that I made that I didn't know at the time I was making it, you know, that that's just what I wanted to watch. And it kind of goes back to that whole thing. It's, it's, it is an integral part of my life at this point. Um, and even over the last, I mean, since, since COVID hit, it's become a huge part of, obviously we started this podcast. I've started streaming and, and I'm just, I, I don't know. I think, I think the moment after I finished the last of us was a big defining moment for my love of video games. Yeah. Now kind of dwelling on the question, you know, yes, there was that time with resident evil and everything, but I had always really for all intents and purposes had gamed. I had an old, old Mac computer that I played floppy disk games like uh, Sid Meier's Civ and Pirates on. I remember <laughs> playing Doom and Wolfenstein. Um, and then I, I remember going to the video store and for the very first time, um, I was like, oh, I heard about this game. I want to try it. And I remember renting, <laughs> I think it was Mega Man 6. No, 5. 5. No, Four, four. It was four. Yes, because it was the damn toad boss that it rains. I remember that very vividly. And I was like, yeah, I'll play this. It's kind of like Mario, right? <laughs> Fuck that shit. <laughs> and then I was like, OK, well, this one's a little bit older. And I remember going back to the video store and I was like, well, let me try this one because it's 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 the newer one that's out right now. It's called. What is this? This is Mega Man X2. OK, let me try to. Oh, my God. God, <laughs> it, it was just, I remember getting into those games and just like there were, I, I remember renting games like Tiny Toon Adventures for the Sega and, and yes. remember the, the red dot that was the uh, seven up logo. Yes. He had his own game and I remember playing that and like, there was just going to the video store, but I just wasn't, I wasn't old enough to be good at these games. And it's funny looking at my 10 year old now wanting to play the games that I play, like how I talked about how I was going to let him play dark souls. I was like, yeah, go ahead. Knock yourself off, knock your socks off. That'll, that'll, that'll be your mega man moment for me. You know what I mean? And right. Oh yeah. He hasn't picked it up since he gave up on it. And, uh, cause I told him, I said, if you can, if you can beat it, I'll, I said, you can look up guides and everything you got to but, uh, you beat it and I'll buy you an Xbox Series X and he has not touched that game since. He just goes back to his, <laughs> his Fortnite and uh, stuff like that. But I, I vaguely, or excuse me, not vaguely, vividly, I do know, I have an answer for you. I know the game that made me a hardcore gamer. It was 2000, I think, 7, 2007 or 2008 when this game came out. But I remember it got announced and I was watching uh, E3 on G4 TV. Sorry, guys, had a little technical difficulty there. Um, hopefully the editing wasn't too bad. Um, but like I was saying, uh, I had a moment in 2007 when this game got announced. I was watching G4 TV with Adam Sessler and Morgan Webb. And um, this game came out and was looked amazing. And I remember hearing about the first two. And they were only on PC and I never played it. And Fallout 3 
was like the game was your like your last of us for me now like granted that game's probably in my top 20 but that game was probably the turning point for me to be like this is you're invested in this because I remember keeping up with it and f- keeping up on the internet with that game and, and, and all the following it till its announcement and its release and getting it on midnight release for the PS3, uh, which was a horrible decision. I should have got it for Xbox 360 because for some reason, <laughs> Bethesda games were terrible on PS3. Uh, they ran w- way much better on 360. But uh, yeah, Fallout, Fallout 3 for me was that that moment to, to become a hardcore gamer. And I, I now... I had started playing Burning Crusade of World of Warcraft with some coworkers back in 2006, um, but I just was not good enough at it. I didn't understand the mechanics. I'd never really played an MMO before, and I never got into any of the in-game content back then. Mm. Interesting. Okay. Do you want to move on to the next question? Uh, yeah. What's what, what do we got next? All right. So... If you had to pick two video games to play for the rest of your life, what would they be? Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, One would definitely be The Witcher 3. Because that game, I feel like I could start from beginning and still to this day run it. I haven't, I still have not, I've only done about 20 minutes into Blood and Wine. I need to go back and do that. I, and I hear Blood and Wine is amazing. Um, but I just feel like that's a game that you could start over so many times and have different outcomes and run into things that you had never seen before. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a mile deep and a mile wide. Um, <laughs> what's, I'll, I'll try to think of the second one. Do you have any off the top of your head? Yeah. You know, if I, so I'm, I'm kind of approaching this as like, uh, you know, I want the most content and I, and I, it, these games have to check off, or at least one of these games has to check off. Fallout 76. <laughs> <laughs> what a meme. Uh, Halo Infinite. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I, so it's got to check off a couple of things for me. It has, it has to have high, uh, a high replay value. I like playing games over again, but it, I, things do, even my favorite games start to feel stale. Um, so it's got to have like new content, right? So it's got to be kind of a games as a service, but it also has to be competitive. I have to have, I have to be able to jump in and get some PVP in, right? So I think the perfect game for this is Destiny. Mm. I think I would yeah. say Destiny Two would be one of my games because it's it's competitive in the Crucible. It has continuing content, right? You can always there's always something to do. You can, you know, there are three different, you know, characters: warrior or warlock. Um, uh, Titan and um, Hunter, right? So you can go in, play it multiple times. It has high replay value. It's competitive. It has, yeah, it has all those things. So I would say Destiny would be one of mine uh, for sure. Now, as for the second game, it gets a little tricky, right? Because I love those story-based games and I love third-person action-adventure games. And I also love... RPGs. So this is where it would get a little bit tricky for me. I think honestly, The Witcher is not a bad choice um, for for that. Mainly because I, I haven't finished it. Um, so I mean, there's there's that. But I don't know. I don't. 
I, I, it's, it's hard to say, um, because so, part of me wants to say like, if I, if I could cheat and, and do the uncharted trilogy, like do the, uh, the PS4 version where they were all bundled together, I might do that. I think that counts. You know? Does it count? count? But at the same time, you know, eventually that will end and that's all you get to play for the rest of your life. So I didn't, I, I was thinking of it from the person you're asking, like if you just had two that you could only play for the rest of your life, but they would keep being, and I think you're hit the nail on the head. I think it has to be games of service. And because you said destiny two, I would have also picked that, but I think what I'm going to go with, and I'm going to take Witcher out of there just because I love the lore so much of world of Warcraft. I'd probably pick world of Warcraft. And then I would probably pick Valorant just because you picked destiny two, because it is a games as a service. It's going to get more maps. It's going to keep getting to get updated. Yeah, I would pick, I'd pick Valorant, but at the same time you got to have people to play with though. Right. Well, and you know, that's, I mean, okay, well let's, we can fudge it it's a little like, there. What right? scenario that, like, are you going yeah. with this? <laughs> it's not like, it's not like post-apocalyptic. Like it's not like just you, you know, there are other people still populate the earth. So they would probably be playing the game as well. Uh, World of Warcraft was, I, I thought about that one and I, I almost went with World of Warcraft because I, I think that would be a perfect game. Uh, you know, if you had to play one game for the rest of your life, I think that would be a really good one as well. Yeah, I, th- I think just because right now those are the two games that I play the most of right now is Valorant and World of Warcraft. So those would probably be it. And but, um, you know, Destiny is I, I'm I, I'm kind of regretting this decision to reinstall uh, COD. And I think I'm going to uh, re- uninstall COD and reinstall Destiny just to be my go to. Uh, game because I, I have such a high level character that is invested in that I've done so much content I've done most of the raids like I I have all almost all the exotics unlocked yeah Destiny Two needs to be up there too yeah I mean I think with PS Five I'm gonna lose my life again to Destiny um but I I, I just can't play it on the PlayStation I, I can't play it on there anymore it just oh, for, runs I'm like janky piece of terrible tools. yeah. I can't Sticky play shooters at, at I can't play shooters at 30 FPS anymore. I can't do or it below it. it yeah. yeah or yeah, you, you've been spoiled by games that run great. And you, you almost like see that, that point to where I, I would l- rather play console personally, but I have not turned Kevin. I have not turned my PS4 on since we played uh, rogue rogue company last together. It has not been yeah. turned on because like right now, I've got, like I told you what I'm playing right now, and then Epic Games Store is fixing to release Hitman uh, 1 and 2 for, for free on the Epic Games Store. And I'm like, I love those games. I'd love to play them on PC. Sure. Horizon's over here now. Like, I, I'm i finding more and less reason to turn on my PS4, but trust me, when PS5 comes out, I probably, yeah, me and you are going to be binging the shit out of Destiny 2. Yeah, Destiny Two is going to be a huge one for me. Um, that's going to be that's going to be yeah. I cannot wait to play that shit on PS Five. Cannot wait. Sixty yeah, FPS, four K. Ooh, it's going to be. I can't wait sexy. to you see because I wish you could see how I play it on PC and how good it looks. And I, I may stream it, but even then, you're losing the the uh, fidelity, the, the, you know, the compression and everything through streaming. It's just, but it's just, it's not even watching it, dude. Because you've seen people. If you've watched YouTube videos, most of the guides on how to get exotics are on the PC version. Um, yeah. But it's it's the feel of playing that game over 60 FPS. It just feels right. And it's so good. 
And I just, that's why I'm kind of bummed out about the whole three, four, three thing, because not to get off topic, but you know, Bungie is just, they have nailed the way destiny is now. And it feels, I mean, destiny, the guns feel so good. And yeah, God, I, I love destiny. I really do. And, and when borderlands three came out, it kind of filled that little bit of a hole for me, right? That looter shooter type gameplay and i love borderlands i I, i've played so much borderlands too um but borderlands 3 for me i didn't really like the characters as much i didn't they just weren't as as fun to me you know the classes that's how i am with uh division 2 i wanted that game to be so good and and I, i i got that new york dlc on pc and i haven't touched it it just i tried right i started and i was like man destiny's just so much better destiny is way better than division yeah, it. I mean, it is division. Division has its moments, and I think the first playthrough of of the division is great. I don't think the replay ability in Division Two is as good as Destiny Two. Um, it, it, yeah, and I, I love the division. I really do. I just think Destiny is better. And I've always thought that it, it's kind of that thing, right, where uh, shooting a person in a video game a, uh, that is considered a human being it takes the reality out of it when you're they're bullet spongy. Now destiny, you can get away with that because they're aliens, right? So does that make sense? Like you're put more in the, uh, you're put more in this. It keeps you in tune with the game itself. Now I will say this. I am kind of nervous because the thing with destiny and division two, it's hard to play a games as a service. Like I can play, I can play world of Warcraft right now and then still play like remnant and pillars and divinity because I can play those as I go, but keeping up with two games like that is very hard. So when Shadowlands comes out for WoW, and then I'm going to be deep in Destiny on PS5, I don't. Yeah, that's going to be a scary time. <laughs> <laughs> and Cyberpunk's coming out. I know. I so know. So many good games. So many. It's good a. Games. Uh, yeah, it's it's this fall is going to be knuck and futs, as they say. Yes. Yes, it will. All right. So you didn't give your second one though. Oh, I didn't. What did I say? I said, you Destiny. said Destiny too. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Uncharted. I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna stick with uh, the Uncharted trilogy there. I, I think those games are are up there for me. They're just so fun and mindless to play, and they've got fun stories. And I love the arcadey uh, aspect of it. And I think you know if I could only play them forever, I would try and fucking speed run those games. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think I think that would fill my third person action adventure. So real quick, I did want to say when we were talking about, you know, the speed running thing for the charity in, in the news segment earlier, I forgot to mention. Now, do you like speed runs where they do all like the level skips and stuff like that? Or are you just like seeing them zoom through a level and see who can be the fastest at it? I'm not Those, the that's biggest, a speed run to me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not the biggest fan. The glitches and everything like that's that's um that's fun and that that is a a a type of speed run but i enjoy when you can't do all that stuff and you just have to go as quick as you possibly can because to me that feels more legit because you didn't just look up a hack or something online that you saw somebody do no like you're legitimately i when i i I try to look up like bloodborne or dark soul speed runs and it always pulls up you know somebody doing all these level skips and i'm like no 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 i want to see somebody speed run just just speed run the game Right. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And that's that's why I like the Kingdom Hearts ones is that they don't really have any glitches or anything like that in the game. Um, 
like you're, you're not skipping you can't skip worlds you can't it, the game isn't built that way so you have to speed run it top to bottom um mm-hmm. and it's it's fucking i mean the, the kingdom hearts games are so long and these guys complete them in like three four hours i can't even remember i'm probably oh, yeah. i don't want to if anybody's listening to this and is a kingdom Hearts speedrunner, i doubt it but i apologize if i fucked up you know how fast you actually run the games um, uh, actually i beat it in three hours and 37 seconds to 42 <laughs> for 37 minutes 42 seconds I'm never gonna listen to this podcast again. This motherfucker said I completely they don't three understand. hours. They don't understand. <laughs> you know, that's always I've never like got like why is that like that's just like that's a disability like that's a speech impediment right? Why yeah. does that have to be associated I, with a nerd? I don't. Like, there I don't could know. be somebody. So there could be somebody right now with that voice being like, "Fucking nerds! I don't play video games." <laughs> do you? All right. So the nerd voice that I always go to. Do, okay, this is gonna be a weird reference out of left field. Um. <laughs> Do you uh, have you watched the Polar Express with Tom Hanks in it? You know I have. Yeah. And you know that kid that you just want to punch in the face, and he talks like this. <laughs> yeah, to me, that's pretty. Santa close. Claus isn't real. <laughs> My mommy told me so. It's like shut up, kid. That, that's that's pretty close to the the nerd voice that I uh, the the voice that I actually associate with nerd voice. Do you know who Red Shirt guy is? Yes. That always goes to the the BlizzCon and like will just like <laughs> go up to the the devs and be like, actually, uh, Illidan was imprisoned in the tomb of Sargeras, and <laughs> just, just like correct him. And Chris Metzen, who created the entire characters in the world, is just like, yeah, we'll get that fixed. Oh my god, <laughs> doesn't give so a funny. shit. All right, oh, last man. last last one here. This is going to be about what's your favorite old school arcade memory. So in Amarillo, we used to have this place in the mall and it was called the Buffalo nickel. Uh, Buffalo nickels actually used to be a thing, Um, but it was an arcade where everything they had. Most of the arcades were only a nickel. You only had to put a nickel in to play the game. Um, and they had everything. They had Mortal Kombat. They had, uh, uh, you know, they, they used to, not a lot of people know this, but there was an actual Mega Man arcade game that was pretty similar. It was kind of like in the style of Mega Man X. And it was, uh, it was kind of like, almost like Ninja Turtles arcade meets Mega Man. Okay. It, was, it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, there was also, you know, obviously Turtles in Time was there, uh, yeah, I just remember going up there all the time. I remember my so what would happen <laughs> uh, when I was really really little. My my grandparents, you know, uh, the, the elderly, they go walking at the mall early in the mornings um, <laughs> because you know I, I don't know if that's a thing in Florida, but it's a thing because there's so many places to walk in Florida. But here, you know, that was they would open the mall. None of the stores would be open, and just it would just be like zombies. <laughs> around in circles there at the wall but i would go with my grandparents but for some reason buffalo nickel never had the cage pulled down like you could go in there Mm. and just play at any time if you wanted to i never got money when i was a kid like that and so i would go and like they would have like the motorcycle racing game and i would just get on it and the demo would be playing and i'd act like i'm playing (laughs) that was a thing i would do I I i would I've done the that demo. Too. The demo would play on like Galaga and I would act like I'm controlling the stick and just use my imagination and things like that. And that's man. Yeah. I was a sad kid. 
<laughs> no, I did that too. If I didn't have money to play, I would do the same exact thing. I think it's I think it's pretty common actually. I wish just, I still just, had that type of like imagination to be able to do that. Yeah, like it's it's weird growing up and like the things. Did you ever have an imaginary friend? No, that's something I never did. I, I didn't either, but I always like played by myself and would like act out things like with, you know, like swords, like act like I was Luke Skywalker or some shit. Oh, right? yeah. Always Luke Skywalker. And I think every kid did that. But but yeah, what, what what's what's your <laughs> earliest arcade memory? So we used to go my family would vacation up in New Hampshire uh, on the beach and they have these awesome arcades like these open air arcades right on the water and uh every just about every night we would go into town and i would go ham at these arcades um you know turtles in time punch out uh you name it i mean i was there and i was playing for hours my parents used to have to fucking rip me out of those arcades um and I, I just, there's such a special place in my heart for arcades and they really don't exist a whole lot anymore. They still mm-hmm. do in New Jersey and up in New Hampshire, they're actually still there. Um, but obviously Dave and Buster's right. Those kind of like your, if you want to go play arcade games, but the, the, yeah, they're but not those the games same. Are like they have the Jurassic park where it's the ride or like the halo one that I've seen right. and things like that. And it's just, it's not the same. I'm talking about like real arcades. The, the, the cool thing uh, about uh, Amarillo, what we have now, um, we have a, uh, a buddy of mine, a friend of mine that did our photography for me and my wife's wedding. Uh, he opened an arcade bar. And so it's a bar, get beers, lots of craft beer. And there's arcades, there's Galaga, there's Mega Man, there's, there's uh, a deal with Super Mario Brothers, or like or not Super Mario Brothers, but just Mario Brothers, you know, the original one. Yep. yep, uh, yep. Donkey Kong, there's pinball machines from all kinds of different movie themed ones. It's he, it's very cool. And that's the shame with uh, COVID. I hope that, uh, he's doing okay because you know, all the bars at it, you know, it's all still shut down unless you serve food, you can't open it. And so, um, he's been for all intents and purposes out of work on a brand new building that he financed. And, and it's a very nice location and they, they did all this remodeling and it looks great in there. And it's just a shame that he's not getting to run his business. Yeah. We have a place like that here in Orlando. I think it's called ready player one or something along those oh, lines. Wow something like that so Cop, what is it called copyright infringement <laughs> maybe it's not ready player one it but it's something very very similar to that that's just kind of what it uh popped Re- up in ready my head. But or something like that. something yeah something like that but uh, and, and, uh it's it's the same thing essentially right it's all the old arcade games beer wine you know liquor i gotta go yeah and they have uh, uh no go, what's for up? go for it go for it well they, they have the uh they have the um they have a thing here too where it's it's called a black vault gaming center and it's basically 20 really high-end pcs that you can if you don't own a pc you can go up and rent out one of their pcs and play up there they have consoles there's one big screen tv with a couch that you most people play madden or nba 2k on it's it's kind of like a really cool hangout for teenagers and kids that maybe not have access to all the consoles that they would like yeah i mean that's that's the future and that's the future arcade, arcade have, you know yeah yeah that's the future arcade is that you've got a couple xboxes and a couple playstations and you got all the games on there and 
you mm-hmm. you charge thirty dollars to get in. You can play whatever you want. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's not to because we're running running out of topics here, but I, I have a question for you. Okay. As a gamer, what is something that you would like, like a genre that you're not very comfortable with, right? Like for me, mine's JRPGs for the most part. I just don't play much of them, if any, really. What is a game in a genre that you don't play that you would be willing to play from start to finish? That's a really good question. I'm going to say Bloodborne. I'm going to say that Souls style game is a game that I, really I want to play. I was hoping you would go with horror. Oh, horror? I, that's up there, too. That's up there, too. I I mean, I definitely would play through probably Resident Evil remake. You know, that that would probably be one that I would do. Uh, but, yeah, I don't like getting scared. It's, it's, not, my, it's not my cup of tea. No, I know. That's, but, that's why I was hoping you would pick that. I, I would say they're probably neck and neck. I would say I probably want to play both of, you know, Bloodborne and, and Resident Evil or a horror game uh, about the same. Um, maybe maybe a little bit more Bloodborne, but I would be open to either. Maybe, I mean, if I do, I, I've, I've thought about doing a stream uh, when I get like my, my whole setup the way I want it to in the guest room. Turn off all the lights. Bloodborne. Yeah, either first Bloodborne or... Or like first horror game and just get the shit scared out of me for the content, you know? If you're going to do that, you got to go with, I would say, Outlast or Outlast 2. I think Outlast might be uh, too too scary for me. I, I did play the first 20 minutes of Outlast. It was free on PlayStation Plus at one point or yep. something, right? Yep. Yeah, I played a little bit of it. I was like, fuck this. <laughs> I, love I, like, nope. I love it. It's terrifying. Like, nope. <laughs> um, another one that you would like, uh, I actually got Brianna to sit down and play the whole thing with me. We we, we, we beat it over two nights. Um uh god damn it um layers of fear oh okay the it's like it's painting centric right like the 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 player you play as is an artist who's basically there's underlying themes of alcoholism and depression and um there's nothing really that can kill you at all it's just scary i don't even think you can die in that game if i remember right um but it's just very cool. The aesthetics in it are very cool. What would be another good horror game for you to play? Uh, I, Amnesia. Okay. Because the graphics are kind of older, and but it still has its moments, so it, maybe it wouldn't terrify the shit out of you. I, I feel like the more realistic looking, like especially like Outlast, like that can get kind of creepy, especially a new one. Yeah, I'm going to have fucking nightmares for weeks if I play those games. <laughs> I think... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you will. I think the one, like, because it is JRPGs for me, one that I would sit down from start to finish, excluding Final Fantasy, because I feel like those are JRPG light, even though they're not. They are JRPGs, but do you know what I mean? Like, they're very mainstream JRPGs. Um, yeah. I, I, everything that you've said about Persona 5, Persona. I'd probably just, I, I would just give it a go. Play Persona. Because I just four was just so stupid to me because I just didn't give a fuck about high school simulator. And I just I'm worried that that's all five is. Um, It's not it, it's not it. The, the story is based around high schoolers and like there is it, it's kind of that setting. But 
the stories and the themes that it tackles are a little bit darker, I think, than uh, in Persona 4. It, it it's just it's really fucking good. I, I don't I don't know. It's it's really really good. The art is incredible and uh, the story is awesome. You know what we should do for extra life? You stream for twenty four hours. Stream Bloodborne and I'll stream Persona Five. And we'll, that'll be fun. We'll have to just see how far the other gets into it. I mean, neither one of those games can be beat in twenty four hours. So. I mean, Bloodboard's doable, but you'd have to know what you're doing. Yeah, we should do that. That would be, that's actually a, a really good idea. We'll, we'll put a pin in that. Put a pin in that. I just don't really want to play Persona for 24 hours. It's a lot of reading. It's a lot of reading. I mean, I'm playing Pillars right now. So, and that's, that's like something that's like a genre that not a lot of people like, right? CRPGs. Yes. And JRPGs. They both have that kind of niche audience. Um, CRPGs morally for the neck beards and then JRPGs are for the tweens. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh man. Oh, Do you have God. anything else you want to talk about on this week's podcast, Kevin? I don't think so. Yeah, I, I think, think we covered uh, everything. I think we covered some good stuff. Hope you hopefully you guys all enjoyed it. Uh shout out to Josh and Matt. Thank you so much for writing in. Remember, I've said it once, I'll say it twice, and third time's a lady. You can remote write into us at remote gaming podcast at gmail.com. Any questions, comments, anything that you want to just talk about under the sun, uh, let us know. We would love to hear your thoughts on your video games. You know what? Fuck it. I'm going to go ahead and just pose a question to the audience right now. Uh, please write into us at remote gaming podcast at gmail.com. Give us your top five favorite video games of all time. We'd love to yeah. hear them. So, yeah, do that. Do that thing. Right into do, us. Do the and stuff. Hey, all if the you if you don't want to email, you feel like that's archaic. Hit us up on Twitter, remote underscore gaming twenty. That is remote underscore gaming twenty. Just tweet at us. Yeah, Just say hi. Tell your friends too. Um, you have anybody that y- you know may want to listen to video games, uh, but they're they don't want to really listen to people in the industry uh, with all the actual real information. <laughs> <laughs> You want to just listen to a couple of guys that just have a passion for it. And and that's the thing. I got a compliment the other day for uh, a friend of mine that listens. And he said, you know, I listen to three gaming podcasts and two of them are big top tier name in the games industry. And then us. And he said for two guys that work jobs in their and family life and their normal lives and aren't have never been in the video games industry and have never been in journalism. He said, you guys are are phenomenal. And I, I appreciate that. I really do because we are trying, we, we're just passionate. We just love video games and, and we played them for so long together that we were just like, let's sit down and talk about them. And so hopefully you guys like that too. Uh, keep this thing going. We will try to do better. I'm sorry for the technical difficulties we had this week, but uh, man, we just, we just like talking about it. Yeah. We, we love games and we love talking about them and we, uh, we appreciate everybody who listens. It means a lot. And, um, yeah, share it with your friends. Can't say that enough. Please, please share it with your friends. Yeah, tell them. Yes, sir. I am Joseph King. I'm Kevin Corkum. And this has been the Remote Gaming Podcast for the week of August 25th, 2020. My God, let it end soon. Please. <laughs>